From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, President Biden made his first speech to the United Nations today as President of the United States. I know this. As we look ahead, we will lead. We will lead on all the greatest challenges of our time, from COVID to climate, peace and security, human dignity and human rights, but we will not go alone. Well, in addition to focusing on giving money to countries in his effort to fight global warming, he pledged to continue to prioritize the fight against COVID-19. And tomorrow, at the U.S.-hosted Global 19 COVID-19 Summit, I'll be announcing additional commitments as we seek to advance the fight against COVID-19 and hold ourselves accountable around specific targets on three key challenges. Saving lives now, vaccinating the world, and building back better. He also briefly touched on Afghanistan, but avoided describing the crisis created by his ill-prepared withdrawal last month. The question is, does the U.S. have credibility on the international stage under the leadership of President Biden? We'll talk about that a little later with Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. We'll also take a closer look at the politics and policies of Afghanistan with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz. There are a lot of measures moving forward in Congress this week. The House is set to vote on a continuing resolution that it uh, that would keep government operating in the absence of approved appropriations bills. But in this continuing resolution or CR, as it's called, there's a provision that will allow the nation's debt ceiling to be raised without limit between now and the midterm election, a blank check for Democrats. We'll talk about that along with the Freedom Caucuses announcing that it's opposing the National Defense Authorization Act that we talked about yesterday that requires young women to register for the draft. A major, major change in our military. We'll talk about the drafting of our daughters and the unfolding humanitarian disaster on our southern border with the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, in just a moment. And we'll be joined later in the program by the Attorney General of Ohio, Dave Yost, who will take us into the public school classrooms of Ohio and show us the indoctrination that is taking place on critical race theory. And more importantly, what can be done to stop this indoctrination in classrooms across the country. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home, it's all there later, archived at TonyPerkins.com. All right, I mentioned this yesterday. For those of you watching the video stream of the program or watching on TV, you may have seen this. It's been on my desk for a couple of months. It's the new stand mug, 15 ounces of pure USA-made ceramic. All right, if you want to get your own stand mug, Every morning, you can fill up that bold coffee so you can take your stand. Well, go to TonyPerkins.com and get your own. All right, I mentioned this as well yesterday. FRC and FRC Action will be hosting our inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, October the 6th through the 8th. Go to PrayVoteStand.org to sign up for this uh, exciting event. You'll find a list of speakers, uh, all of the programs, all the topics we're going to be covering Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. All right, as I uh, as I mentioned, the president has begun uh, focusing on a number of issues, but 
the administration is uh, has begun the process of deporting about 12,000 people that recently arrived at Del Rio, Texas, on the U.S.-Mexican border. Now, this latest surge of mostly Haitian immigrants is completely overwhelming the local resources and authorities. Uh, Secretary of Homeland Security uh, Mayorkas testified before the Senate Homeland Security Committee today that the Biden administration has a plan to deal with the crisis and they are working that plan. Two hundred thousand border encounters over two straight months, a record in decades for uh, over decades. And you're telling me that, that this is success. Are you happy with what's happening at the border now? Is this success? Senator, uh, as I said then and I say now, we have a plan. We're executing our, on our plan, and we will continue to do so. But you just testified that it's working. I'm just trying to understand. You, this is, is this success? Are you telling me that this is successful, your plan is successful currently? Senator, Senator, we are not finished in the execution of our plan, and I never suggested otherwise. We continue to do the work that we are required to do to secure our border. That is an ongoing process, and indeed we are executing it. Are you happy with your progress? Senator, we need to do better, and we need to do more, and we are committed to doing so, and we are doing so. Again, that was uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, in exchange with Missouri Senator Josh Hawley today on uh, Capitol here. Here with more is Congressman Andy Biggs, who spent the weekend touring the southern border and saw firsthand the unfolding humanitarian crisis. Congressman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, good to be with you. All right, let me just ask you uh, point blank, is the plan working? Well, the plan's working if you want an open border that puts the entire uh, country in danger, both uh, uh, from these uh, transnational organizations that are controlling the border, illegal aliens who have criminal and malevolent intentions who come across, the environmental problems that are coming across, the uh, communicable diseases that are being disseminated throughout the country. If that's your plan, then you get an A-plus because that's what's happening now and that's what's been happening for the last period of time ever since Joe Biden came in and he and Secretary Mayorkas dismantled the, the operations and the policies that were actually working. Now, Congressman Biggs, I know you represent a portion of Arizona, so you're not unfamiliar with the crisis on the border, but this uh, past weekend, as I mentioned, uh, you led a group of your colleagues to the southern border to tour the border. Uh, you, I believe you're in Del Rio. Uh, is this crisis as bad as we, as it appears, or is it even worse? Well, I, I wasn't in Del Rio, but I, but I can tell you, I'll be back in Del, Del Rio soon. But here's the deal. It is far worse than most people can imagine. So, um, I was getting intelligence reports from my, my friends on the ground in Del Rio. Started off with 2,000, grew to 4,000, then 8, then 10. Uh, and by the next day, it was over, over 14. And then the next morning, over 15,000 people. There's, there was no sanitation facilities. There was no, um, not enough food, not enough water. It was just a disaster. Then you've got the environmental disaster on top of it. You had, uh, there were there were rapes there. There were there was violence there. This is absolutely incredible. Um, in other portions of the border, uh, you, the smuggling routes that I was on, 
just unbelievable stuff that 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 goes on. And quite frankly, Tony, um, I, it's been revealed to me that there actually uh, was notification as early as June that they needed to do something in Del Rio because they were anticipating more. And right now, just as you just so you know, there's been testimony saying that they're continuing to watch another sixty to 70,000 folks uh, coming up uh, toward our border as you and I speak. Now, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, as I said, testified today uh, before the Senate. Uh, He was down in Del Rio yesterday, and uh, he said, you know, don't come across the border. And um, he stressed that only Haitians who arrived in the United States before July the 29th were uh, eligible for temporary protected status under the Biden administration. So they're just now beginning this uh, exportation to uh, deport these individuals. I mean, they've been letting them come across the border. They created this problem by not enforcing the, the, the laws on the border. Yeah, you're you're so right. Um and I was getting additional information that that many of the individuals from Haiti, they're actually, just so you know, most of them, uh, these Haitians, they were in other places in South America as long ago as 2010 when they when there was natural des- disasters in Haiti and they came over to these these other nations. And then they will tell you, they will tell you that they came up because they believed President Joe Biden had told them that if they came up, he would let them into the country. That is what they believe. And and why wouldn't they believe it? Because this administration has not taken a stance uh, policy wise or even verbally, uh, rhetorically wise, telling people to stay away until now. And now now my York is saying, well, don't come. The problem is he previously when he said don't come, he said, uh, don't come now. So everybody believed that they could still come. So I don't, uh, I don't have much trust in the veracity of uh, Secretary Mayorkas anyway. Congressman Biggs, there are so many issues that are coming to uh, fruition right now from the seeds sown by this administration just in the, uh, the short eight months that they've been in office. Um, I'm not sure how you keep up with all of them in the Freedom Caucus, but this morning you released a statement regarding one of the provisions in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is an annual uh, reauthorization of the military. The funding has policies in it. But in this one, uh, the Democrats have inserted a measure that would force all females over the age of 18 to register for the draft, first time ever. This is a major break in uh, with the past and a, a, a major change in policy for our military. It, it most certainly is. And the way we couched our opposition, we tried to leave it open. So it's clear that if if a woman wanted to join the military, if the gym, uh, woman wanted to participate in the in the armed forces, she can. But right. she should not be compelled to sign up for selective service. I don't think anybody should, to be honest with you, but. But uh, this is brand new policy um, uh, from this administration, which basically they, everything they've done, Tony, is to remake America into this kind of uh, compulsory state, whether it's vaccines, whether you, you just name it, but now selective service for women, many of whom 
uh, fewer than 1% will ever actually serve in the military anyway, uh, but you're going to compel them to join selective service. That's just, that's just a change in who we fundamentally are because, again, it's compulsory. Well, here's my concern, Congressman Biggs, is that as you look at the policies that they're pushing onto our military, you know, whether it's the vaccine that they're forcing members of the military to get or it's the transgender policy that they're pursuing or, or you name it, what they're going to experience, just like we're seeing this crisis at the border, we're going to have a crisis of retention in our military. We're going to have a crisis of recruitment. And so what has not been around since Vietnam, we could see a draft back because this all-volunteer service is going to evaporate because they've made service in the military so unattractive and burdensome that people won't do it. And then we'll see our daughters being drafted. That, that is such a great point, and I, I agree with you. I mean, when you think about the woke, the woke culture, which now uh, has inculcated the, the, the upper brass and upper echelons of our military, look, you, you're talking about the, the vaccine mandates that they have, the uh, indoctrination into CRT, which is uh, taking hold, this notion where General Milley says, hey, you know what, I'm going to study white rage. I think we should study white rage and Marxism. And uh, I, th- those types of things that, that are going on in our military, uh, people will leave. People, people don't yeah. want to serve. We, I've received word from people who we've spent a million dollars or more training to be uh, uh, pilots or other uh, highly skilled workers that you need in a modern uh, uh, right. military. They're leaving. out. They They're are. Uh, Congressman, we've got to leave it there. We're up against a break, out of time. Always great to talk with you. We're going to be tracking this very closely. Folks, stick with us. Senator Tom Cotton is next. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC Action's inaugural Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and the truth of God's word, we've launched Pray, Vote, Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, from October 6th through the 8th for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808. 
More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org slash worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned, today was President Biden's big moment on the world stage in his first United Nations address as president. Pared down COVID-compliant audience of world leaders and diplomats watched as the president attempted to reset America's standing and reassure a nervous international community. Back at the table in international forums, especially the United Nations, to focus attention and to spur global action on shared challenges. Joining me now is Senator Tom Cotton, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, it's good to be back on with you. Well, as the president said, he's uh, America's back at the table. But then he went on to talk about how we rejoined the the Paris Climate Agreement. We're running to retake a seat on the Human Rights Council uh, at the U.N. We're taking action globally on on COVID. Is the president really addressing the greatest threats facing America? Well, Tony, I don't know what table we're at, but whoever's sitting at that table, if they're an ally, is pretty skeptical of us. Um, after the Afghanistan fiasco. And it's certainly not France, which took the extraordinary step of recalling its ambassador last week because the Biden administration didn't undertake the most basic aspect of diplomatic outreach um, when we struck a new deal with the Australians, provide them nuclear-powered submarines. But I would say that uh, this speech today was really Joe Biden walking into the United Nations and slapping a giant kickney sign on Uncle Sam's back. You know, he said that we don't seek a new Cold War, but, Tony, he didn't even say who we're trying to avoid a Cold War with. He literally did not use the word China in his entire speech. Xi Jinping and communist leaders in Beijing are laughing at Joe Biden and America now because they have, in fact, been waging a Cold War on America and America's interests and principles for years. So it's not a matter of whether that Cold War happens, just a matter of whether we will join it and we will win. And Joe Biden is acting like a scared child in a Harry Potter novel who won't even say the name Voldemort because he's afraid of what will happen. Senator, I think it's a really good point. The the Cold War is unfolding whether we acknowledge it or not. And even the 
uh, Secretary of the United Nations acknowledges that this is brewing between the two countries. And there's, as you said, there's no way to win a war, whether it's a Cold War or it's an active war, unless you acknowledge who your enemy is and you understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. When, you're, when your enemy is waging war on you, whether it's a hot war or a cold war, you don't get a choice of whether there will be a war. You only get a choice of whether you will win or whether you will lose. And Joe Biden is returning us to the battle days when America's leaders stuck their heads in the sands. They didn't confront China and didn't stand up for America's interest, whether it's the millions of jobs that China has stolen from us in one-sided trade deals or the millions more in oil and gas and coal production that Joe Biden would sell out for nothing more than a fig leaf of promises from one of the world's most uh, polluting nations, the fact that they're building a military that is uh, capable in probably five to ten years of overmatching ours, especially when paired with other adversaries, and that they are uh, trampling all over fundamental American principles by violating the rights of religious liberty and political freedom of their own people in the tens of millions. Joe Biden, again, wouldn't even say China's name today, much less lay on a strategy for how to counter Chinese influence in the world, which is the most urgent task we have in American foreign policy. Well, the, the two big issues the president talked, he only, he only mentioned Afghanistan in passing because if he talked too much about that, he knew it would come back on him because the disaster it was his. Uh, he made it. Uh, but he talked about uh, climate change and he talked about COVID-19. And when I heard him talking about that in the absence of missing, mi- failing to mention China, I mean, China is behind First off, I mean, we've talked about this before, COVID-19. We wouldn't have this if it were not for China. And when you look at global warming in these countries that are polluting and adding to the problem with the climate, it's China. And they get a pass. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is, as you say, global warming. It's not American warming, despite what all of these blame America first Democrats have you. In fact, Our emissions have actually been declining in recent years, thanks to the miracle of hydraulic fracturing and directional drilling that has unlocked so much natural gas for us to use to uh, fuel our homes and our businesses. Um, China's emissions have continued to increase. And if Joe Biden and John Kerry think that Xi Jinping is going to stop burning coal because Joe Biden, you know, wants to have some celebratory signing of a new climate accord when they have another thing coming. But this is exactly what the Democrats have done for decades with China. They've accepted fleeting, meaningless promises in return to concrete concessions. I mean, I am always worried when John Kerry jets off to China that we're going to come back with a Neville Chamberlain-like peace in our time deal in which we agree to hand over Taiwan's uh, autonomy to mainland China in return they were promised to reduce their emissions maybe by 3% in 2075. So what was, in your opinion, Senator Cotton, what was the most glaring absence? Was it just the mention of China, or was it putting them on notice that America is going to fight for our ideals and principles? I, I mean, I, I, I literally couldn't believe it, Tony, when I first heard that he hadn't mentioned China. I went back and reread the transcript, and I, I thought my eyes must be playing tricks on me. So I loaded it up on the computer and did a Control-F search function. I, I couldn't believe that he didn't even mention the name of our number one adversary in the world. I mean, can, can you imagine uh, any Cold War president 
going to the United Nations and not mentioning the name Russia or George Bush or, or Barack Obama or Donald Trump going to the United Nations and not speaking of terrorism, I, I mean, it's almost unfathomable that he would go and not even mention China's name as he's trying to avert a war that China's already raging against us. Right. And uh, we, we, it, it won't go away by ignoring it. Senator Tom Cotton, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, uh, don't go away, because on the other side of the break, we're going to continue our conversation about the president's speech before the United Nations uh, today. As I mentioned, just a brief mention of Afghanistan. And we're going to talk about that next with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz. He joins me with his reaction to President Biden's address to the United Nations. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go anywhere. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily, but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start, or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. Continuing our conversation on the president's first United Nations address, President Biden also touched on his administration's uh, pullout of American troops from Afghanistan, more just focusing on the situation in Afghanistan, not going too deep, knowing that it would come back on him and their ill-prepared withdrawal. 
Um, joining me now to talk more about what was not in the president's speech and how we go forward with addressing the situation in Afghanistan is Congressman Mike Waltz. He's a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, as well as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He's from the state of Florida. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to be with you. Uh, re really appreciate it. So, Congressman Waltz, what was your initial reaction to the president's comments uh, regarding Afghanistan before the United Nations? Well, I thought the entire speech was was pretty much as expected. Um, you know, focus on climate, focus on COVID, platitudes, frankly, to multilateralism and the UN, uh, and, um, and and then this kind of oblique, you know, basically uh, and an ongoing defense of this disaster uh, that he has caused uh, in Afghanistan. Um, this, this arbitrary number of 20 years, um, I wonder if he would have uh, just put a 20-year time limit on, on fighting communism uh, and, and defeating the Soviet Union, uh, if he would have put that kind of timeline or any kind of timeline on defeating fascism. But for some reason, 20 years uh, in Biden's mind is – is the limit for fighting Islamic extremism. The problem is they're not done fighting us. Uh, the Taliban equals al-Qaeda, uh, and they now have the power of what I'm calling a terrorist super state with an army, with an air force, uh, with a functional international airport to send people anywhere they want in the world, uh, and I believe eventually a central bank, because I believe eventually in order to get our people out, Biden is going to unfreeze billions in foreign currency reserves. So, yeah, we didn't, of course, hear any of that. Um, and we heard more happy talk. But in the meantime, this is this has been a disaster from a humanitarian rights standpoint, from a credibility standpoint with our allies around the world and certainly from a counterterrorism standpoint. It's kind of like I was just talking with Senator Cotton about if you don't talk about it, it's like it doesn't exist. The fact that he didn't mention China is uh, really our global adversary. But I, I want to quote from him in his comments about Afghanistan. He says, the United States will do our part, but we will be more successful and more impactful if all of our nations are working toward the full mission to which we are called. And then he goes on to talk about we must all advocate for women, the rights of women and girls to use their full talents to contribute economically, politically and socially and pursue the dreams free of violence and intimidation. You know, those words, quite frankly, to me, Congressman, ring hollow, given the performance of the Biden administration in Afghanistan. No, they're completely hollow. And, the, you know, I'm, I'm the co-chair uh, of a caucus focused on women's issues around the world. Uh, and I have to tell you uh, that Biden's, Biden's record on women's issues is abysmal. Forget the happy talk and the rhetoric, uh, which they're very good at. But if you look at what is actually happening, you have Muslim Uyghur women uh, in China being sent to concentration camps with forced sterilization and forced abortion. You have upwards of 30 to 40 percent of migrant women coming across our southern border getting sexually assaulted and sold into uh, uh, slave uh, and sold into trafficking rings. And then, of course, Afghan women have already been told you can't go to work, you can't go to school. Uh, and anyone who even dares to protest the oppression uh, is beaten, uh, is beaten in the streets, if not uh, shot and killed. 
So if you look at what they're actually doing for women around the world, it's somewhere between uh, you know, what we used to say in the Army, jack and squat, uh, just to be very yeah. blunt. And it, it's, it's, it's abysmal. And, and for him to try to give that kind of rhetoric with a straight face is, I think, insulting the women and girls uh, uh, all over the world. But unfortunately, Congressman Waltz, unchallenged by the media, uh, they're not going to say anything about the president and hold him to task uh, for what he says compared to what he does. Well, yeah, right. That's absolutely right. And the media is complicit uh, with the Biden administration just wanting to change the channel on all of this. But, you know, Tony, as we speak, there are Americans still trapped. Our allies are being hunted down. As we speak, people who stood side by side with with me and so many other soldiers and were willing to take a bullet for their own freedom and for our values and and our way of life versus the Islamic extremist authoritarians, they're being hunted down. And and the thing that has me so upset is American soldiers are going to have to go clean up this mess eventually when the homeland is threatened again by this terrorist super state. But we will have no bases, we'll have no local allies, and we're going to have to fight our own equipment that was left behind. And that is infuriating. Yeah, it's going to be harder, even harder this time. Congressman Mike Waltz, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with us today. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. God bless. This is... It's so frustrating when you see this kind of babble, especially on the world stage, and you know that the talk is hollow because it doesn't match the walk. And we just saw this unfold. I don't know how they can get up, how he can get up and say this stuff for the entire world. All right, don't go away. On the other side of the break, one state attorney general, he's fighting against the problematic study of critical race theory, the indoctrination taking place in classrooms. Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost is here next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. 
men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. You are listening to Washington Watch. You might be watching Washington Watch. However you're tuned in, we're glad you're tuned in. Have you ever played uh, the game Whack-A-Mole? You know, that uh, little game where you got a kind of a mallet and these uh, moles just kind of pop up around there. Well, th- that's what Joe Biden's America reminds me of. You know, you focus on one disaster or outrage and another one pops up. You know, with all that is going on, we have to remain vigilant and address all the dangerous policy initiatives and ideas that are being pushed by this administration. Now, I just uh, mentioned this in passing, I think, last week. I just want to remind you. Now, some people are all excited because the polling shows that the Republicans may recapture the Congress in the midterm elections. That's still a long ways away, okay? Uh, I mean, we're talking about a year. The, The issue, though, is I think I think I think the polling is correct. I think the policies they're pushing will continue to drive people away from them, just like happened back in 2009, 2010. But here's the problem. They will knowing that they will push as much garbage as they can to fundamentally change America. We have to be vigilant. We have to be involved. Now, one of these areas that we're seeing this happen. We've talked about it. Uh, I think it's back really in the forefront of at least parents with schools back in session. Uh, And there's no better time than to return to a discussion of the indoctrination that's taking place in our public school classrooms. I know we've got what's happening in Afghanistan. We've got what's happening at the southern border. We've got the uncontrolled spending. We've got the vaccine mandates. I mean, it's the outrage of the day. But we don't want to miss what's happening in the classrooms. Critical race theory, or CRT as it's called, uh, is it as pervasive as we're being told? And why is it a threat to our children and to our nation? And most importantly, what can you 
do about it? Well, joining me now to uh, talk more about this is the Attorney General of Ohio, Attorney General Dave Yost. He's been tracking what's in the classroom. He knows this stuff, and he's been a part of fighting it in the state of Ohio. General Yost, welcome back to the program. It's good to be with you, Tony. Thank you for having me. I know this is not a new issue to you. Uh, You were a part of about 20 AGs that wrote a letter to the president back in July uh, when guidance was coming down from the Department of Education. Uh, You have been on this topic. Tell us first, I think let's start with just what is critical race theory? You know, we people hear a lot about it, CRT, and there's sometimes it's just assumed people know what we're talking about. Let's define it. So it's a little bit hard to define. And on the left, they're defending this by claiming, oh, well, it's not what you're saying we're, you know, doing. Uh, and, and so I don't even like the term CRT, although it's shorthand for a sophisticated theory that has a lot of Marxist roots, and it looks at all relationships in society. It looks at history exclusively through a lens of race. It talks about all relationships in terms of power. And as Tim Keller has noted, uh, the problem with talking about everything in relationship with power is how do you prevent the person with power uh, from simply eliminating oppression by becoming the new oppressor. So I prefer to talk about the king consensus on the color of our skin. Right. So let's start with what you have uncovered in the classrooms in Ohio. Is this actually happening in the classrooms? So, of course, nobody's teaching graduate-level theory uh in K through 12. What they are doing is reshaping American history to teach that America is fundamentally a racist nation, that our kids, by virtue of the color of their skin, are either oppressors or victims simply because of their race. Um, And that couldn't be farther from the King consensus. So is this... um... I mean, is this a part of something bigger that is unfolding in our society today? What is the connection with this and, say, Black Lives Matter? Well, the idea that race is the most important thing uh, in America ignores our history, and it's an attempt to rewrite our history. Now, don't get me wrong here. Let's talk about the warts. Uh, we, slavery existed. Sure. The Tulsa massacre yeah. hap- happened. Um, 3,000 black Americans were lynched during Gr- Jim Crow. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a recasting of American history that says America didn't set out these ideals that all of us are created equal, uh, that says we don't deserve any credit at all for fighting a war to eliminate slavery, the the long fight against racism, the repeal of Jim Crow, um, the legal protections for civil rights. All of those things are proud American history, uh, and they stem directly from our founding documents and traditional American history, um, which we have continued to aspire toward those goals. Yeah, I mean, 
there's no question about it. America got it wrong in, in several areas. But when you go back to the core, to the foundation and the principles, the ideals that birthed this nation, eventually we got it right. And we are continually, uh, you know, working. Well, I, I actually think we're moving in the wrong direction right now. Uh, but if we go back to those founding principles, I think we can get back on track and begin moving America forward to be a force for good, not only here, but literally around the world. Absolutely. America was called by Lincoln the last best hope of the world. And he meant by that the idea of freedom, of equality, of equal dignity for all human beings, whether we're wise or foolish, rich or poor. All of us deserve to be treated equally and with dignity before the law. So, General Yost, let me ask you this. What are you doing to, I'm going to call it uh, the poisoning of the minds of our children. What are you doing to uh, prevent that in the classrooms of Ohio, especially the overreach from the federal government that's pushing this onto classrooms? Well, of course, we, uh, uh, I and my colleagues made it very clear that we were prepared to take the Biden administration uh, to court if they were going to use federal tax dollars to force this stuff to be taught uh, in American classrooms. Last week, I sent a legal opinion to the Ohio Board of Education uh, saying, okay, you want to train your employees? That's fine. But you can't do it in an unconstitutional way. And if you approach, for example, uh, implicit bias training by telling all white people that they're guilty of slavery, um, you are probably going to buy yourself a whole load of trouble. Parents are really concerned, you know, is this, I mean, we've seen this at uh, school board meetings, you know, I guess it's kind of the silver lining to the pandemic to, to some degree, parents started paying attention to what their kids were being taught and they began to see this. And as you said, it doesn't come with flashing uh, neon signs saying CRT, critical race theory. It is the elements of that that are interwoven into these various uh, course curriculum. And so parents have shown up to these school board meetings and they're speaking out. In some cases, they're having a lot of success. How do parents, based on what you have seen, how do parents find out what is going on in their child's classrooms? Well, I've heard stories anecdotally about children who have come home in tears uh, because they've been told that they're racists because they're white. Um, But the most frequent thing I'm hearing is um, mom and dad during the COVID epidemic uh, trading off, trying to keep the kids focused on remote learning. And they're starting to hear uh, coming over the screens what would have only been in the classroom. Uh, And so they're learning a lot this last year about what actually happens in the classroom for good and bad and not, not all bad, uh, of course, but I appreciate what you said. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I I really appreciated what you said about uh, school boards, because while some of this does uh, implicate legal uh, issues, and I and my colleagues uh, in attorneys general offices will be out there fighting those legal issues. 
There's an awful lot of this that's not particularly illegal, but it's not wise. And these decisions are made in a thousand local school boards. Um, and going to that school board and telling them what you think, or even more important, signing up to stand for a term of office, do your bit for the community to get on that school board and help govern it uh, is the most powerful thing you can do. Ultimately, this isn't going to be won or lost in the halls of Congress, although they may weigh in. This is really a battle in the, the local school boards uh, across America. Yeah, w- without uh, without question. And, and some of the challenges, uh, General Yost, that parents are having. And, and first, let me let me just state this. We've got some really good teachers that are in our public school classrooms because I've, I've actually heard from them. I've talked to them and they're grateful that we're shining a light on this because they don't like it. It's coming down on them from, uh, you know, superiors. It's, uh, you know, those you know, sometimes we don't know who those actually those people are that are setting this, but we've got a lot of dedicated men and women who are in our school system. So I don't want to paint everyone with a broad brush, but you do have on occasion you have these uh, parents that encounter uh, districts, teachers, administrations that are refusing to give information to them. What legal rights do parents have to know what their children are being taught? Well, the education of your children is a fundamental right. Um, the actual remedies are going to be different from state to state. Uh, in Ohio, for example, we have a fairly strong public records law that would allow you to see the curriculum that the teacher is using or the school district is using. Um, that's a public record. You can demand it, and if they won't give it to you, they can sue. Uh, on the other hand, uh, most of us don't have a lawyer handy in our back pocket or the checkbook uh, to uh, force the issue. So uh, I appreciate the advocacy organizations that have uh, supported individual parents and, and their legal rights. And back to that basic of democracy, your local school board, be involved. Think about running. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, not a difficult seat to run for for the local school board usually doesn't cost a whole lot just takes a little bit of uh, time and energy uh, to get involved in that uh general dave yost always great to talk with you thanks so much for uh, joining us today and, and thanks for being a Thank part you, of shining a light of what's happening in america's classrooms all right uh that was attorney general dave yost of ohio and i mean he makes a really good point it's the school boards in fact today um, I'll give you a link to it a little bit later. In fact, you might be able to find it at TonyBerkins.com. But we did our second school board boot camp on how to f- to uh, do Freedom of Information Act request. That is the, the what's sometimes called a FOIA. Uh, that is a public records request, as uh, General Yost was making reference to. Uh, that's actually not that difficult to do. And so we did a uh, we did a boot camp uh, session for parents today on that. We had uh, several hundred, uh, over a thousand people, I think, a part of that. And so we'll continue to put that information out there so that you can be involved. This is a great time to get engaged. And there's no better place to start if you've got kids in the public schools or even if you don't have kids in the public school. 
you have a vested interest in what is coming out of our public schools. And I'll say this again, because I'm talking about public education, I certainly would encourage every parent to uh, prayerfully consider where you have your kids. I do not believe we should have our kids in the public school system today. I know some are going to take offense at that. I, I, I just, I've seen too much, and I've seen what happens to the kids under this intense indoctrination, even for godly parents who are raising their kids in a godly home. And so prayerfully consider other options for your children, whether it's homeschooling, private school. You know, there's many options today given technology. Um, that said, I still would encourage people to consider going into the public schools as teachers, as approaching it as a, as a mission field. It is a place that needs the light, that needs the truth of the gospel. And by all means, parents run for the school boards. We, I'm not saying we disengage. I'm just saying we shouldn't sacrifice our children on the altar of public education. All right. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a little bit more about the president's speech. We're going to focus on the issue of climate change and what the president is proposing, among other things. So that's tomorrow. Hope you tune in for tomorrow's edition of Washington Watch. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. And don't forget to get your own stand mug. You can find out more at TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6 where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.